0: Two, three, four. You're listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association, where we discuss the latest market trends in outdoor two, recreation. Five, two, and now, three, here are your hosts, Kelly Davis and Patrick Hogan. Hey, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of Inside the Outdoors. I'm your host, Patrick Hogan. In this episode, Kelly and I pick up right where we left off with Genevieve and Jennifer from Western Colorado University's outdoor MBA program for our discussion about preparing the next generation of outdoor leaders. How can aspiring outdoor leaders set realistic expectations for their careers in the industry? What facets of higher education can best prepare someone for success in the outdoor industry? And how important are group projects in college? Let's get into it.
1: For both of you, Genevieve, because I just wanted to say your name once. And <laughs> Jennifer, if somebody's coming, if somebody wants to, to have a career in the outdoors, what are they dreaming about? What are young people dreaming about right now? Because, And I have a formula about this. And it's basically, you know, that there's reality minus perception equals your level of happiness. Right. So if, if your your expectation is you're going to be outdoors all the time and just being able to participate all the time. And like when I worked in in snow, that I was going to get first tracks every day and I could ski whenever I wanted. And I was going to go to all these cool places, which in fact happened. I'm just going to say that, um, <laughs> that if you're, if your perception doesn't match the, the, you know, the reality that's out there, you're going to end up unhappy. Do you think the perception that the students come into, especially, you know, your university with, do you think that they match what is actually going to happen for them down the road? Or do we need to manage those perceptions a little bit?
2: Are you saying about like kind of managing their perception of what the outdoor industry, work in the outdoor industry looks like? Exactly. Um, Well, I, okay. So, like, I feel like I'm going to do a shameless plug here for some of the work I've done in the past, but part of my work actually looked at like training and what we call like expectation of work in the outdoor industries, not necessarily like all targeted to the outdoor industry, but when I was looking at outdoor behavioral healthcare, and that's a problem, right? Like, because From one side, I think you have some degrees, some schools, people coming out that are not really told about the reality. You know, it's like college is is a fantastic world, probably why I'm still a professor, right? Because it's so amazing that I just want to stay in school for the rest of my life, right? But the reality is that when you leave college, things hit you very differently. And I don't think we do a super good job at sometime talking about that, right? So I think that's one of the things. Right, and then the other thing is like perception of like I'm gonna be outdoors all the time, right, or I'm gonna do, you know, outdoorsy stuff, right. And and that has a, depends a lot what sector of the outdoor industry you pick, right. And depending again, like maybe if you're more service oriented, uh, you know, potentially you're leading people in the outdoors, you'll spend a lot more time outdoors, right, than if you're working brand or product oriented so it's something you have to understand right but I think in the end like and you kind of into that earlier is like that it's about fulfillment right and like and Jen was saying the same thing earlier like you know we want I think we want our students to have to be fulfilled right and that comes in a lot of variety of, of, of ways it's not just one way that people are fulfilled right and so for someone it's like the media aspect, right. That fulfills them and being able to show to people what the outdoor looks like. We think about marketing, right. Like great. If it's about like educating people into the outdoors, right. That's great. So I think it's like, you have to figure out what fulfills you. And I know this is cliche, but I personally think that once you do the salary will follow and like expectations are going to fall. Right. And again, though, I think we need to do a better job at kind of preparing our college students with like, the reality of what happens once you like, you know, it's not an automatic, like I get that diploma and then suddenly everything is perfect. Right. There is, there's definitely uh, having to figure out the world, which I'm still Mm -hmm. doing, but
0: (laughs) me too. I think we all are. Yeah.
2: Me too. (laughs) All right. Okay. okay,
1: A little bit of change of pace for a second. I was in the post office and I, I, you know, I live in a, in an old town (laughs) with an old, like, Sort of very homey downtown. and our post office has been in the same place for probably two hundred years. and uh, so I'm in the post office the other day because I, I I screwed up and didn't take all my snail mail out of my box and it got too full and I got a nasty gram and I had to go pick up my mail from the post office. So I'm <laughs> shamed. I'm standing in line shamed, you know, feeling very humble. and there are these two there are these two guys behind me. And they start having this conversation. You know, I know how they struck it up, like something about size of envelopes or something. And and one of them said, "You know, kids, kids are just lazy. Kids don't want to work. They're just all they want to do is just get paid and like tell you how they should be treated at their job." And the other guy goes, "Yeah, kids are lazy." And I was thinking, you know, this conversation has probably happened at least once a week in this post office for two hundred years it really has but you know there there you hear you hear a lot of sort of i think misperceptions about about students and and young people today and i was hoping that that you could set us straight or you know you know this could be confirmation bias time and i'm going to cherry pick and say yes they are lazy and entitled i doubt that i want to hear your perspective on it
3: i have mixed opinions about this i think particularly with regard to Some outdoor industry-focused or outdoor recreation-focused students, you know, they think about whatever their passion is, and if they're really passionate, they've been doing that for a long time, and they tend to focus on their more recent experiences that have just been really wonderful and fulfilling, and they somehow think that once they get into, let's say they go and get a job at Burton, for example— that they're going to have those same feelings there because everybody snowboards and they're going to have snowboarding adventures together and all of those kinds of things. And that's definitely not the case. People tend to forget, you know, it was difficult to learn how to snowboard, you know, especially when you're first getting started, you are falling, 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 falling. I think that same thing happens to Jen's point earlier when they graduate and they go from having class, you know, three or four days a week. It's just a couple of hours here or there. There's some homework occasionally, whatever, to now, oh, I'm working 40 plus hours a week. If I really want to stand out, maybe I'm getting pressure to potentially do more. It's just, it's, you know, it's very, very different. So I do think that, particularly with regard to the recreation economy, sometimes students aren't quite prepared. And that can, you know, if they, if they, if that perception that you were talking about, earlier, Kelly, is off, then they can be perceived as lazy. And and I don't think that I would consider it lazy. It's just that misperception. But at the same time, I think that there's just so much evidence and research that suggests we shouldn't be measuring employees and productivity the way that we do. We should be measuring outcomes, not number of hours worked, right? If you look at how uh, effective and efficient employees are in many European countries, they do not work 40 hours a week. They're far happier. They're more productive. They're doing great. Those economies are doing great, right? Like, why? Why do we, you know, I mean, the reasons that we have a Monday through Friday, nine to five is is just, you know, it's like daylight savings time. Like, let's just get rid of this. Let's <laughs> get rid of this. this is, well, you know, this what, I want to have everybody. a whole
0: nother podcast episode on that. Just so do
1: I. Yeah. So do I can yeah. take, take the counterpoint on that, by the way. I love daylight savings time.
0: And you're all going to see
1: me by
3: then. It's, it's dark outside your window
0: right now, Kelly. Die I can see or are injured. the sunset.
3: It's it's yeah. bad. It's a horrible. Let's go. Let's uh, episode
1: number three or four or I'll whatever. Lose the debate, but daylight saving. <laughs> I think we should do a change my mind. I mean, you, I think <laughs> <There> we go. <laughs> Maybe I'm ready. Bring it. <laughs> yeah, I think really honestly, it's you know the the world of work sucks out. It's hard out there, and I mean, you can have the best, most fantastic job in the world, and sometimes it just sucks, no matter sure. what, and so. I mean, sometimes it's when I'm talking to young people that are entering the job market. Yeah. Sometimes I think that their perception of what it's going to be like, especially getting like, you know, dream job or, or whatever it might be that it's going to be, it's, you're going to find fulfillment and happiness all the time. And the truth is, it's a grind a lot of time, a lot of the time. And and it's, you know, this is, maybe this is the product of, of capitalism, Patrick, that, you know, you just have to do what you've got to do. I mean, we're trading we're trading a skill set for money, and yeah. they're going to try and be for eight hours a day. If somebody owns my brain. That's not me. How does that feel? I and mean, that doesn't well, feel that's great. A fun time. analogy. It is, Matt, I don't know. True, <laughs> they, do. <laughs> they do. They do. I'm like required to tell them whatever happens <laughs> in my brain. Sometimes they're shocked.
2: But I if I start telling like, my,
1: the idea is that yeah, yeah. I mean, work work is sometimes work, you know, and and that. Sometimes, you're, especially when you're just starting out, um, you're going to have to do things that aren't super fun all the time. I mean, for yeah. instance, and I'm gonna, this just to add a human story to it, you know, I, I bragged about first tracks and being able to ski all the time. You know, how the reason I got to do that was because I took a minimum wage job that required me to get up at four in the morning every Saturday yeah. and Sunday for the whole winter and never be late by the way and clock in and clock out and like sometimes it was 15 degrees out and i had to walk that resort and put out flyers and my hands froze and i hated it right that sometimes the job is it's not always fun but then again you know i'm at the top of the mountain at 7 30 a.m and it's me and a couple of ski patrol and that's that's pretty awesome but yeah. sometimes, you know, it's it's the, a job is a job is a job. And um, I don't think I don't think young people are lazy. The, in, interestingly, I get calls all the time from young people that are entrepreneurial. They're interested in starting a company and, and they've got the next great product idea because them and their friends dreamed it up. And yeah. it, it is possible to to really blaze a pathway in the outdoor that way, too. And that's even bolder because you're, that's not a job. That's life. If you if you're an entrepreneur and you're coming into the industry, that's just what you're going to be doing 24/7 365 and I hope you're passionate about it. And if you are, that's awesome, but sometimes you've got to do things like, you know, you've got to figure out how, you know, how you're going to test your your product for PFAS. That doesn't sound like very much fun, does it? Um <laughs> you're going to have to figure out where the bottlenecks are in your supply chain. That doesn't sound like fun. You've got to figure out if your contract manufacturer is is um, is adhering to the social justice requirements in their contract. Right? That sounds that, fun that to me. That doesn't sound like <laughs> And somebody <laughs> there's somebody that thinks everything's fun. Like yeah. I find visualizing visualizing data super fun. Nobody else me does. Too. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Too. <laughs> this, this I too. Mean, this might be the right group
2: Pick the they, wrong actually. group <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but you know i think i think that i i just want to say also just for the record that i don't think young people are lazy i think there's maybe two things here one if there's a misalignment with work and you're not happy in what you do or you, you know and i'm not saying that like you always have again like everything has to be perfect right but you know if, if it's a total misalignment you likely are not going to give your best, right? Like that's one thing that we know. And then I think, like politicians or young people or like the workforce, like you have some people that are amazing in your organization that do great, do their job, go above and beyond, right? And then you got some people that probably regret that you've hired, right? Not, not mind. So, my- but you know, I, I'd say that maybe there's a little bit of that, right? Where it's like. So when I think about my college students and my previous college students, like some of them are amazing. Right. And others like need to keep maturing and, and learning things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. What I didn't know about the college group project is that it really wasn't about the group project. It was about learning about the group project and the dynamics around group projects.
3: Oh, was yeah. really valuable. Yeah. yeah it's a there was always that
0: person.
1: Yeah. And you know, writers in every group.
3: But you said that it was valuable. Now, if we could please record that and share that recording with our students because they are very Mm. hard to convince. They do not like group projects. But like you said, I mean, I hate to refer to those as soft skills, but those soft skills of, you know, interpersonal communication, getting along with others, learning how to work with very diverse people is maybe the most important thing anyone can learn in any uh, degree program, college, job, internship, et cetera. Right? Like it's just, it's, so, especially with with developments in innovation, technology, et cetera, I think that those soft skills, those personal skills are going to be increasingly important. So yeah. students need to develop them.
1: I mean, honestly, I'm a mathematician, formally trained, master's degree. But if I had to rate my skill set in terms of importance in, in uh, my ability to make a living, communications would be at the top of the list. Yeah. Um, if I wasn't good enough at communicating my, ins- the insights that come out of my analysis, I'd be dead in the water. No one would listen to a thing I say. And the, the <laughs> world is full of researchers that have that problem. It's full. Yes. Of yep. Patrick does a great job too. That's why we hang out in this podcast together.
0: That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Patrick, aren't you, you are an economist.
0: I still am an economist.
1: Thank you. like our background. Um, I'm a mathematician. Yeah. Patrick's an, an economist.
0: Yeah. But I, you know, everything that we said, I I agree with like all the soft skills are super important. And, and, you know, even some of the organizational stuff that students can learn in college, like how to, how to run a meeting or how to work in a group project. Um, a lot of my role entails coordinating an industry subcommittee. Um, I, I like to lovingly describe it as 20 to 25 of the nerdiest people from throughout the bike industry come together to, um, direct the, the research that I ultimately engage in as the industry researcher at people for bikes and being able to set agendas and run a meeting and coordinate volunteers and all this stuff like that's everything that you're going to learn in these programs and that's you know that's what you're going to gain by going above and beyond and finding that internship and like reaching out to someone and going hey I really love this activity and it seems like your organization's engaged in this work what can I do to like just better understand what it's going to be like to work in this industry can I, you know, have a, talk about an internship or can I volunteer in some way? Or Like we we even have um, a, a team of like OpenStreetMap GIS experts who sort of like volunteer for People for Bikes doing some work on our business bicycle network analysis tool. So lots of opportunities out there to, to gain those really critical soft skills.
2: Yeah. And you know, I think, you know, what students are doing and that'd be our classes or or students that are at, at the undergrad level, like use that in, you know, as you're selling yourself, like the projects you're working on in your classes, yeah. the things that are super annoying, and you're really wish your professor wasn't telling you, you have to do that, like, when you actually like complete the project, you know, and like, you know, that it'd be case studies, or, um, you know, I had my students in business law this semester, they had to work working group to do a training related to, you know, a lawsuit, and then kind of teach their mock employees how to do that. And like, those are team projects that like, you know, you might have to manage and teach your employees how to do it one day. And, you know, uh, I'm sure if they if I was to ask them, not all of them were psyched about the group they were in. But <laughs> in the end, they they learned and they made the best out of it. And they did a yeah. good job, too, by the way. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I, I'm also thinking of experiences like we had a, a snowboard club at my undergrad university and, and even little things like having some leadership role in an outdoor recreation focused club or organization that's going to gain that experience. You're going to gain that experience from that and then communicating that to that future employer or whoever it may be. That's critical. If, if I know that someone can organize an event and successfully get people to that event, that's a huge skill that not everyone has.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a, that's kind of a big ask, Patrick. Run an event. <laughs> run <laughs> an event? Run event.
0: <laughs> no, no. Well, you know, I'm thinking of like, there, there was one snowboard getaway every semester or something like that. And I was like, okay, if you can just find an airbnb if you can get 30 people to the mountain safely and you can have no incidents you know, like th- that that's the base level competency that i think uh really helps you out once you start building upon that and and working towards that eventual career in outdoor
2: yeah yeah all these little experiences count um this morning i was actually talking we had some speakers that were uh in our school business that were there and they're all graduates from the program and one of them was talking how she, when she was in college, she started a nonprofit related to like solar panels and it's been like a huge thing for her. Like now she puts that on her resume, you know, and like, while she's not as involved with it anymore. Like just the fact that, you know, she did this college project like has opened up all these doors for her. Um, You know, and it's funny how these little things we don't think about, like joining clubs, you know, and like Mm -hmm. helping like a professor prepping something, you know, and, Um, you know, doing some community work, like all these things add up, right? It's not just classwork and and your paper and your degree. And, and, you know, it's really kind of like branching out and doing a variety of things that will help you, one, figure out what you want to do and two, be more marketable. No
1: doubt. Well, on the hiring side, you know, there are very few jobs that I've ever taken in which I didn't have to do some kind of a personality test before they hired me. I
2: don't know, Um, maybe that's just just me.
1: I don't know, but like when
0: when I'm (laughs) doing I, went to her I love the idea sports, that it's just you. It might, it might be. Oh no, give this lady
1: a test. Yeah, <laughs> we, we need to test her. Um, <laughs> I know they don't
2: do that in higher ed.
1: <laughs> so yeah, they they wait until after David Enjemi. Actually, the only one I had to I had to wait on David Jimmy, who who is who's the the head of the Snow Sports um, Trade Association for about forty years. He hired me, and I had to do a handwriting analysis. So I had to write a paragraph of something, and he had a, he had a person. That specialized in that, and she nailed me. I mean, nailed. That's old school,
0: dude. I know. That's old school.
1: <laughs> and when I, when I was working for the government, I can't even tell you how many personality tests I had to take. I could, I definitely know my Myers Briggs score, right? Mm. I mean, it's so funny. When I worked in intelligence, it got a lot worse. And then outdoor, you know, after after David, all of the all of the diversity stuff, I had to do all kinds of tests for that too, <laughs> to see if I was, if I, you know, how we all work together as a team. So all and all of those every single one of those tests was just soft skills. So when I think about like how you fit into a team and how much time I've spent with organizations figuring out how the team works together, learning how to communicate better, working together. and sometimes yeah, you don't like the people you work with. You you better f- figure out how to put that on the shelf and be civil and work together. Maybe we've lost some of those skills in America right now, but my goodness, they are super important way more important yeah to me than than you know knowing knowing how to calculate a p value
0: well but let me let me just say that at least my experience in outdoor has been that everyone here is so passionate about the outdoors that it's it's easy to work together because you have so much in common and you all have the same drive to to be stewards of whatever activity and And that sort of like common goal has brought all of my teams together more than teams that I've been a part of. They're outside of the outdoor industry. Maybe that's my end of one experience, but I think morale is typically higher in outdoor than it is elsewhere. How about that?
3: I think ah. I've been in at least one position where morale was high and people generally got along, but because mm-hmm. everyone was so passionate, and I think it just kind of goes hand in hand with being outdoorsy. People can also be very competitive. And so there can <laughs> yes. be some difficulty okay, there, fair. right? Yeah. <laughs> so that competition, you know, a little bit's healthy, a lot can be a challenge and can impede progress and relationship building in, in some ways, right? So I
1: think that, you know, yeah. All the best teams I've been on have been because we had great leaders. Um, and, and mm-hmm. you know, managers didn't try and overmanage like, I would. People didn't spend time convincing each other they were busy, People didn't spend time convincing each other they were smart. Everybody just did their job and we trust each other. It was amazing. And when we ask, like, you know, what are some of the barriers in the in today's workforce that don't line up with expectations of younger workers? And I will say that we've got some really bad management out there. I mean, if you if you think that the best way to manage people is to make sure they're sitting in a chair eight hours a day <laughs> or they've got to, they've got to hit their time, you know, they've got to punch in and that's what's really important then you're the problem. I'm just going to come out and say it. You are the problem. We should not be wasting money on oh, you man. anymore.
2: Yeah. It's super interesting you say that. I I was talking to a prospective student yesterday who, um, you know, I, I I like to ask like what, you know, why you're interested in a program, what got you interested into the outdoor industry, right? And she has uh, a degree in public health, um, you know, and has worked like a variety of, of like different outdoor jobs, right? And it was thinking about the MBA program. And she said to me, she was like, one of the reasons I'm thinking I want to get an MBA is because a lot of the outdoor jobs I've worked for were so poorly managed. I think <laughs> we need to change that, right? Like okay. She was very okay. passionate that that was the reason she wanted to get an MBA was because of the experience she's had with managers, right? Um, and I, I don't know that, I, you know, I don't know that it's, representative of the outdoor industry right like I think one of the things I was telling her was how I think because the outdoor industry is growing so much right and there's more formal education I think that's changing right like maybe the more like from the hip I'm gonna start my outdoor business you know and not have like not know anything and just hope I'm it's gonna work out like I think we're getting away from that Hopefully, we're not losing the essence, right? But anyway, so so when I think people think about like I'm going to go work in the outdoor industry, does I look like? Hopefully, management is better, and hopefully, with better education programs, we're getting better leaders out there, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I I definitely think that that's that that's true, and you know when you think about how it, how your organization is structured and how you make money, I mean, there's going to come a time when you recognize that you're wasting money on that, and that if somebody isn't isn't managing appropriately to outcomes. And, it, you know, when you treat your workforce like you don't trust them, guess what's going to happen? Right? It's a, it, this, these are like easily, sh- you know, you could, you could easily show them three articles from Harvard Business Review that says, what you're doing here is wrong. And they'll still continue to do it. It's time to, to raise that as an issue in all industries. It's yeah. not, I mean, this is, it, this is true in outdoors, true in retail. It's true in just about every industry. And I mean, that's, I think that transition is coming but there are people that are protecting their jobs right now. I mean, I feel, I feel kind of bad for them and COVID really pushed that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just a, just an issue to think about. And, you know, you're just as likely to run into a bad manager in any industry is my point. Right? That could, That's happened to me in just about in, I've had maybe four bad managers in my whole life and it, it gets pretty easy to recognize what's going on there. And, you know, the problem yeah. with that is that they completely demoralize a workforce and and strip them of any hope of innovation or creativity or actually doing a great job. It's just never going to happen with a team like that. So, and if you if you've got a whole bunch of middle managers, maybe you need to review what they're doing because they not only are they they're just basically flushing money down the drain. And when I think about like fundamental skills, I was thinking, you know, there is a question that I tend to ask in an interview because I I can it's just my one asshole question. Right. It's what's 20 percent of 90. And I just want to look at their face while they figure that out, because I can I want to see the squirrel run in their head for a second. Mm-hmm. It's been very effective for me.
0: Ooh, I, I got <laughs> one for you. This one's framed as a um, like a brain teaser, but it's really, you know, a math mathematics or statistics question and maybe we maybe we can end on this one this can be the cliffhanger and folks can okay. like email in their response but if you can imagine a pond right and there's a lily pad in the middle of the pond and every day it doubles in size on the 50th day it covers the whole pond on what day does it cover half the pond
1: i'm, I'm not gonna give any hints can i give a hint
0: yeah it happens quickly yeah 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 that's it it, it it's day 49 right cuz it doubles every day but there are a lot of a lot of folks that are really wanting to impress but don't do the math go like oh day 25 or some folks just completely shut down and have told me like i have no idea and and other folks want to follow up in an email
2: i want to say to everyone who who did not understand it i'm with you i don't know oh, no. Gonna... <laughs> no, oh no no wait, no i'm gonna... no but no but listen i it, I'm it's sorry. i'm i am not an an uh audio learner right like i'm i i have to like see things and i'm very connected And like so for me i'd have to like probably see what you like basically read it so yeah. anyone out there who's listening and is like what god <laughs> maybe no, I'd be i'm the glad you said that knows.
3: I, I definitely didn't have the answer. I knew it wouldn't be 25 because that was too easy. And you said it was a brain teaser. So I kind of deduced that quickly. Um, but I'm also severely jet lagged. So I just kind of spaced.
1: <laughs> no, it's not 25, but I don't know I mean, what it is.
2: I was doing a logarithm.
0: Oh, yeah. It's a because lily pad. It's not a log. It's different.
2: Well, it, it's fine. Mean. It just no, made me think of joke. all this Thank time you. I've spent on trails with students throwing riddles. And I'm always like, oh, no, 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 I can't do that. Sorry. <laughs> i Sorry. like, that's one of my like, I'm like, you got you all go do your riddles. I'll be I'll be in the back doing something else.
0: <laughs> that's too funny.
1: Yeah, yeah. that you're the too hard, Patrick.
0: Did no, Did you have to no, answer no,
2: that? And like, did you have
0: it? That was oh, asked no, to my, me in an interview once. Yeah. Really? And then I, I stole it. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. How, it, did you, it, how, it, well, how did you answer in the interview?
0: At 49, like immediately. And then he like there was like a smirk. And I was like, okay, cool. I got that right. And then they offered me the job. So it worked out.
3: My my favorite question, interview question, just because we're talking about managers, Mm -hmm. particularly bad managers, is to ask people, especially those interviewing for a management position, who in their life has helped contribute to what they've achieved. And Adam Grant is one of my favorite kind of organizational behavior scholars. And he really likes this question because it sort of separates the narcissists from the good people, right? So narcissists, and I've seen this happen, will say, no, oh, they'll refer to themselves. They'll say, oh, well, I'm a hard yeah. worker and I did this and I achieved that. Whereas, you know, people that you want to work with or for will admire at least one, maybe two or three people. And they'll say, oh, it was my dad or it was my first boss or it was a teacher or whatever. Um, So I really, really like that question. That's a good question. So, and I love I'm going to steal
0: that if that's okay.
3: Yeah, of course. I'll share one more quick experience. I know we're trying to wrap up, but this is yeah, a good a, one. Um, no, so when no, I when worry. I applied for the the job at, at the winery that I did not like, um, I had an eight hour interview, and it included oh my a God. it included a lunch. <laughs> And so, right, like we placed our order. And at Uh, that point I'd been, you know, back to back four hours of interviews and I just needed a break. And so I told the person that I was with at that time, I'm going to go and use the restroom. And she said, oh, good. I have to go to the restroom too. Let's go together. And she asked me interview questions while we were in separate stalls in the restroom.
0: No. That seems not ethical. that's a there? big red flag
2: was that should have been you? a red flag Wait, but you took the <laughs> job anyway didn't you i did i did I over a year yeah well yeah. i'll say my i think my, my best one of my best interview i was taken i was I, I had to go skiing with the person that was interviewing me
1: was that me did i do that to you <laughs> No, but anytime you want to go skiing I, mean, <laughs> I paid for it that's, i mean at least you get a day I like of skiing that. that's in. kind of fun Scott I mean, if you, don't, if you the, don't like the, the interviewer, you can always just, you know, basically throw a pole at him and get rid of him, ski the rest of the day on that. <laughs> that's what i do. I'll see you in the bar.
3: I, <laughs> I skied with the former director of the MBA program to get this job, actually. So Scott Borden took me cross-country skiing um, at nice. the, end of the interview, which was, you know, I was already going to take the job, but that was definitely icing on the cake. I mean, going to you're going to take me skiing now? <laughs> you started in, in the summer months. We went hiking. We hiked a 14er that's together. True. So, you know.
2: That's pretty good. That's true.
1: That's yeah. We did Mount <laughs> Yale. Something. Jeez, I just had to present on um, where I think the outdoor industry was headed.
0: And that's similar to what I did,
1: right? Like, what yeah. would you do? Do you have credible data? What do you got?
0: Mm-hmm. <sighs> I was also hired during COVID, so I couldn't. We weren't doing that, but I was. We were not doing those outdoor. Yeah. Were you? Oh, that's right. I forget. All right. Well, um,
1: thank you so much. And um, yes, Genevieve. Sorry, Keith. Just slaughtering your name. I do care about you're it. doing great. Um, and both of you, thank you so much for it. what a great podcast. Holy crap! Thank you both. Every student thank that's you. that's thinking about working outdoors should listen to that podcast. Seriously, and yeah, you and it I, recorded. So you said, "I wish people, I wish they could hear that group projects are really about just <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> hammering, and that group projects are hard, but yeah. you got to do them.
0: You got to look past." some of the some of the unpleasantries of that group project and understand there's a much bigger picture yeah I like beer and thanks for listening to inside the outdoors presented by people for bikes and the outdoor industry association we'll see you next time